What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What is going on, everybody? Ooh, does it feel good to be sitting here in my new design, new layout office and studio to be recording the first ever podcast episode with the new layout? I just feel good. I feel refreshed. I feel way more productive, and I just really, really do enjoy my work environment much, much more. So I'm very excited for all that. However, I'm sure you guys aren't here for that. I just wanted to mention that. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode Welcome to episode number 192 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and boy, does it feel good to be here early on Friday morning here at the shop uh, with the warm weather. It's nice. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm in a good mood. I feel good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like is. I'm here at the shop about two hours early before it opens at noon, and I'm already getting down to work. And... I'm hoping and I'm hoping that my increased level of productivity and my inevitable efficiency when it comes to my new work office studio layout design, hopefully some of that can rub off on the Celtics because my oh my was game one such a huge, huge disappointment. And I think we can all agree on that. And not only are we going to talk about the Celtics in today's episode i also want to talk about the red sox as well not as much about the red sox as of course i'm going to be talking about the celtics in today's episode but there's a few things that i do want to discuss about and i definitely think they're warranted in terms of where we left off our conversation last time about the red sox talking about how oh maybe you know i believe in this team maybe this team's actually pretty good you know maybe they're proving me wrong well ah yikes how'd that go (laughs) but neither here nor there hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week you're going to be having a fantastic weekend if you're going to any card shows let me know i'd love to hear about them if you have any cool pickups let me know i want to see them and before i dive into that before i dive into my celtics take and then my red sox take you know the sports card hobby is one that continues to amaze me not only because of the amazing people that I've met in this hobby, but also from the people that I think, I don't want to say are uneducated, but the people that lack mannerisms. Now, I've already made a video about that, about what I'm going to be talking about, and it's going to be coming out, it's going to be coming out Wednesday. Sorry, I have to look back at my calendar because it's now behind me. I got to change that. <laughs> but on Sunday, I was at the Cranston Card Show. And, uh, you know, I've, I've told a story a handful of times, whether it's the people here at the shop, people at the show who, who just happened, uh, obviously my wife, Mrs. Murph, and then, of course, during the video that I made. Anyways, I was at the show, set up as a vendor, like the other people are that spread out across the room, and 
Now, I'm a person that likes to introduce myself or ask you how you're doing. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? How's the show? Any cool pickups? Just some simple pleasantries, especially if I don't know you or I've never seen you before. I haven't seen you in a while. Or maybe I just saw you a week ago. Hey, how's it going since the last time I saw you? You know, just simple pleasantries, guys. I think we can all can relate to this. Well, this kid, 13, 14, 15, give or take, maybe younger. I have no idea. After I said, hey, bud, how's it going? He's like, uh, are you buying? I'm like, ugh. And his reaction was so hesitated. You know when someone asks you a question and you're like, what? And then you answer the question because it just takes your brain a moment to, to process what they said. Well, that's exactly what happened. The kid was like, uh, are you buying? Like, that was like the first thing that he had to say. And I, and I straight up told him, I was like, bud. I just asked you how you're doing today. And the first thing that comes out of your mouth is asking me if I'm buying. The least you could do is have a conversation with me. So, no, I'm not buying from you. And he's not the only one. He's, it's just he's the one that just tipped me over. He's not the only one. I've seen this tons of times from kids, from adults, uh, teenagers. It's just, guys, like, I understand life is hard and life can suck for some people. And it can be very miserable. But that shouldn't excuse us from having simple mannerisms and just being a nice person. The more nice people there are in society, the better society is going to be. That's just a fact. If there's a hundred people, I'm simple numbers, guys. If there's a hundred people in society and all 100 of them are nice people, then no one's going to be mean. No one's going to be rude. And everyone's going to have a good time interacting with one another. Again, simple numbers here. If there's a hundred mean people in society, or I should say 100 people in society, and they're all mean, then everyone's going to be pissed off. They're going to hate each other. They're going to be rude. They're going to be angry. They're going to despise one another. And there's just no room for niceness. And again, you know, let's split it. 75% of people are nice, but 25% of people are mean. Well, majority of people are nice, but you're still going to run into those that are rude. So like, I think this sports card hobby that has blown up in, over, in the past four years needs an infusion of niceness. And I'm trying my best to be that infusion of niceness. I'm trying to be that, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. What's your name? I'm trying to be that type of person. I don't want to be the vendor. And I've said this thousands of times. I'm not going to be the person that just sits there, whether I'm at just sitting at my table at a show or I'm sitting here at the shop. You walk in, you look around, and I don't say anything to you until you're ready to give me your money. I'm not going to be that type of person. Everybody that comes here knows that. Why? I've said this before. It's because you have to come out of your way with the ideation of buying something to come to my shop. And the least I can do is say hi to you. Very least I can do. I always use this example, and I've probably said this here before. It's not like I'm in the middle of a mall and you're returning something to Macy's or JCPenney or whatever. And you know, you're walking by and you look up, oh, wow, look, a card shop. Let me just walk in. No, no, no. You have to leave your house or stop in on your way to or from work. Sit in traffic. Again, with the ideation, find a parking spot. Get out of your car and all that. And all that I just really, really do appreciate. So I try to return the favor by being nice. Is that a problem? No, of course not. And I don't expect people to be nice back to me. Of course I can't expect that. Would it be, would it be awesome? Sure, of course. But I know the society... It has gone through some things, obviously, whether it's because of inflation, 
the recession, uh, COVID, maybe uh, you got laid off, you had a death in the family, uh, it's whatever million reasons there could be. I'm still going to try to be nice to you, and I still would like to have some uh, politeness in return. And I know I'm not going to get that from everybody, nor, again, should I expect that. But if you want me to buy something off of you, and you want me to give you money, cash, in your hand for whatever you're trying to sell, I mean, the least you could do is try to fake it, (laughs) make me feel good about myself. The least you could do is try to be nice just until I give you the money. It's it's just like, like why? I and I mentioned this in the video, and I won't give too much away because I w- I want you to, to see the, the video on YouTube. Check out the YouTube channel Murph's Car Town. If you listen to us on audio only platforms, if you listen to us on YouTube, of course it'll be out on Wednesday for you. But why should I buy from you? What driving force? If I don't know you, now if you come to the shop for the past two years, we've made deals, you bought off me, you've supported, you've opened boxes, you buy your supplies here, I've bought off you, we've done trades, you've helped me out, I've helped you out. Okay, we have a rapport, we have chemistry, we develop uh, a relationship. So that's easy, that's easy reason why I should buy from you. But if I don't know you, why should I buy from you? Because the chances are your prices are either way over comps or you might have junk. That was my knuckle that just cracked. I went to go like, because like, you know, reason number one, you, you overpriced, reason number two. And then as I hit my middle finger on my left hand, my knuckle just cracked. Ow. <laughs> but you you might have junk. And three, oh, I had three, but now, now I forget my train of thought. Uh, junk. Oh, no. Overpriced. Junk. I, I don't remember what the third one was. Wow, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> that's kind of embarrassing. Anyways, anyways, my point stays the same. You know, if you come to the shop, even if you, even if I just met you right there, right now, and you can have a conversation with me, and you and you look at the banner or the tablecloth or my shirt that says Murph's Car Town, and you ask, you know, how's the shop or you know where's the shop, you know, it's just little things. I'm honestly, and please let me know if I'm wrong. Please let me know in in my social media DMs or down in the comment section below on this YouTube video, if that's what you're watching. Please let me know this. Am I asking too much from people? Am I really asking too much from people to be nice, to be polite, to have manners, simple pleasantries? Now to some people, yeah, that may be a lot to ask for. But again, if we can instill a level of politeness, kindness, niceness, then I really do think this hobby, I don't want to say can change for the better, but it can become better. There's always room for improvement. If you're satisfied and think you have perfected something, then what's the point of doing it anymore? But I know the shop has tons more room to grow. I know the shop is nowhere near perfect. There's tons of room to grow and there's tons of improvements that I need to make here. And through my determination, my hard work, my dedication, my love for this hobby and the shop, I'm going to strive to get there. And I'm going to do my very best to make sure that this community and this hobby can be in a better place tomorrow than it is today. And if anybody out there that cares about this hobby should want the same thing. Now, if you're just in it for money reasons, you go, you don't care. You're just going to buy the card for 20 bucks, sell it for 100 whatever. 
you know, this, this, oh man, I, those are the people I, I don't really like dealing with. But still, if you care about this hobby and you know who you are, and you know who you are, if you care about this hobby and you want to see this hobby in a happy and healthy place, something that I preach upon, and I've preached upon it for two years, then you're going to want to try to encourage politeness, kindness, this and that. So, okay, there's uh, that. That really went a lot longer than I expected it to. So I do apologize if you've been waiting for my discussion about the Celtics. But I had to get that off my chest one more time just to really make sure that you guys know. Because, uh, again, hobby enthusiasts, sports enthusiasts kind of clash and listen to Merce Boston Sports Talk. So I want to make sure that I hit both ends of things and just bring what happened, what's been happening to the light of day. And I really think that's a crucial, crucial thing. But again, I'm just a hobby shop owner trying to really give people a happy and healthy and safe, enjoyable hobby for them to enjoy. Yeah. Did I say hobby twice? Whatever. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Celtics, as promised. Boston Celtics, Miami Heat game two tonight at what? Tip-offs 830, I believe. Let me double check. 8.30. 8.30, yes. Okay, perfect. I just want to double check that. Celtics go into game two down one nothing to the Miami Heat. And there's been so many people. I need some water. There's been so many people that say the Celtics are going to win. Celtics going to win. Ah, 5-4, 5-4, you know, in terms of games. And that they're better than the Heat. And, yeah, they are. I think up and down that they're better than the Heat. Sure. But what I look at, what I'm looking at, is this Heat team scrappy, hungry. People didn't believe in them, so they're going to prove them wrong. And that's what they've been doing for a couple of years now. They got to the finals in the bubble year. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Obviously, now they're here again this year. It's just bananas. And I think it was the beginning of the series... The ESPN had the the Celtics winning 97%, chance of winning 97%, the Heat only 3%. And then after game one victory for the Heat, it went up to 13%. Like, we have to stop the disrespect to the Miami Heat. They're a good team, but they've, they've done it differently. They're not your typical big three superstar team, right? They have Jimmy Butler. They're clearly best player. And they got a bunch of role guys. And those role players know their roles very well. And this is the, the the wild thing to me. This is the wild thing to me that, I mean, I give all the credit in the world to the Heat scouting team, Eric Spolstra, and of course the players themselves, is not only did the Heat win 123-116, Jimmy Butler had 35 points, Bam Adebayo had 20 points, Okay. And then these role guys, Gabe Vincent, 15 points. Max Struess, 15 points. Caleb Martin, 15 points. Kyle Lowry, who's washed up now, 15 points. It's just like the consistency of them knowing their roles. Uh, Vincent, Struess, Lowry all had three rebounds. Caleb Martin had four. Lowry, Martin had three assists. Struess, none. And Gabe Vincent, two. I mean, they're playing 30-plus minutes, and they're all getting 15 points. It's just 
wildly bizarre to me. The, cons- the level of consistency that these role guys are giving them is bananas. Now, we could either sit here and say, face guard the four guys on the court that aren't Jimmy Butler, and then just let Jimmy Butler work, cook, and do his thing. Okay, well, he got 35 points, and they were still able to win. But Bam had 20, and the other guys had 15. Now, you look over here to the Celtics. Celtics Tatum had 30 and 41 minutes. Jalen Brown in 39 minutes had 22 points. And that was really it. Malcolm Brogdon had 19. I'll give him that. Derek White, 11. Smart, 13. But he had 11 assists, though, and played really good defense. Hustle. So, I mean, I can't really complain there. Rob Williams, 14 points, 7 rebounds. I'd like to see a little bit more on the rebound side. And Al Horford, 7 points. And the really the puzzling thing to me, honestly, is Peyton Pritchard in 12 minutes had 0 points. He's not the best defender, so why is he out there for 12 minutes? Like, if he's out there for offense and he's dropping 10 points, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So it's... I'm really confused. I want to see more... From Derek White. I want to see Derek White on the court for about 30 or so minutes. Yeah, you might have to shave. Uh, obviously, you got to cut Pritchard out if you're going to do that. But that's fine. I'm okay with a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven man rotation. I mean, we don't need all these guys playing. Like, I'm talking about like your Pritchard, your, your Grant Williams, and all those guys. You need your top seven guys playing. Pretty much it. And you need more from them. Like, yeah, it was cool to see Tatum drop 30 over the course of the whole game instead of, you know, 15 points in the fourth quarter, you know, like like he had in game six. But if you're going to be, you know, Tatum has to, like, give you what Jimmy Butler's giving you just because they're the team's respective best players. And they were just about there. But you need more from Jalen Brown. If he wants to be a top 20, top 15, arguably a top 10 player in this league, I think that's a stretch. But let's make some, I mean, he was second team all NBA. So he's obviously in that mix. Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, like these guys, like they're giving you something. But clearly it's not enough. Is it the lack of uh, what you're getting from Al Horford? Seven points. Is it him that needs to step up? Is it White that needs to step up? Brogdon that needs to step up? Who is it that needs to step up for the Celtics team? Because right now the way that they're playing is not going to be good enough. And they lost by, what was it, seven points? That was how many rebounds that they missed. Uh, Free throws, free throws, free throws. They missed seven free throws. They were 75.9% from the free throw line, shooting 29 attempts. It's not like they didn't get to the line. I mean, the Heat only had 19 attempts, but you had 29 attempts, and you missed seven, and that ended up being the difference. And I'm not going to sit here and say that those seven free throws are the reason why you lost. Did it have a factor in a role? Of course it did. It was the third quarter that you lost. That's where the game got out of hand. You were up by nine at halftime, if my math is correct. I don't, let's see, you're up by seven, eight, nine. Yeah, you're up by nine at halftime. And then the Heat dropped 46 points in the third quarter. What? You give up 46 points in the third quarter? It Unbelievable. And the funny thing is, and, and sports radio have been killing Joe Missoula the past couple of days, he didn't call a single timeout. The only timeouts there were were TV timeouts, media timeouts, on dead balls. Like, yeah, it's cool to have those kind of built-in timeouts, but you need to stop momentum. 
in Game 7 of the Sixers series, when the Celtics were going on their run and they went up double digits, 10, and they went up 20, 25, and I, think it almost, I don't think it got up to 30, but maybe it did, Doc Rivers was calling timeouts every like chance he could to stop the momentum. Didn't work out, but still. Eric Spolstra, when his lead of double digits was cut in half, I think his, I think the Heat had the highest lead of 12, I think, 13 maybe. But when it got down to 7 or 6, boom, timeout. Stop the momentum. Breathe, guys. Rest. They're doing something. What are they doing? How do we adjust? How do we fix it? What can we do to get back to doing our you know, style of basketball? Joe Mazzulla is not doing that. And listen, I have not been the biggest Joe Mazzulla fan in terms of his coaching philosophies. You know, I think he has a lot of potential to be a really good head coach. He's from Johnson, Rhode Island, so he's a local guy. I'm rooting for him. But my God, you know, going into the series, people are saying, you know, he might be over his head. He might be over his head. He struggled against the Sixers. And Eric Spolster is arguably, you know, top two coach in the league who has all this experience and all this pedigree. He knows how to coach. And when you when you had questions and doubts about Missoula and his coaching and his coaching philosophies throughout the entirety of the year, and then you go up against a top two coach in Spolstra, you know, we do this a lot in football. We look at the offense. Whose offense is better? We look at the defense. Whose defense is better? Special teams. Whose that is better? Coaching. Who has the edge in coaching? More often than not, it's the Patriots because of Bill Belichick and how smart he is and how he likes to be two steps ahead, three steps ahead of the other team, how he likes to be overprepared. Button up everything on kickoffs, punts, first down, blocking, third down, whatever it may be. Make sure everything is right. Make sure we know what to do in any given situation. That's like Spolstra in the heat. They know, hey, odds are against us, but if we play hard and we make our shots, we're going to be in this game. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. And trust me, they made their shots. They were 50 50- 1.6% from three. They were 16 of 31 from three-point land. That's wild. That's wild. It's, you know, the they had turnovers, although the Celtics had more. They had 12 steals. 12. Those were the turnovers. It's not like the Celtics just shot clock violation or threw it off their foot or airballed a shot. No, no, no. Celtics turned the ball over by literally giving it to them. Wild. Wild. The Celtics, I do would I would say that they got outplayed. They got outplayed. I mean, their turnover numbers are horrific. The points in the paint, sixty-two to forty. That's beautiful. You committed less fouls. You had more assists. You you had more offensive rebounds. 
It's just the Heat, when it mattered, they hit the shots. Every single shooting field uh, statistic, they were better than you. 51.4 to the Celtics, 41, uh, 51.9. Again, 51.6 from three for the Heat. Celtics, 34.5. Free throws, 78.9 to the Celtics, 75.9. And then plus, you know, they had a few more defensive rebounds. Blocks were the same. Steals were more. Uh, foul. It's just Celtics ended up playing. They were playing their brand of basketball for the first half. They were. I had no complaints about the first half. They got down. They came back. They were up by two. At the end of one, they were up by nine at the end of the first half. But where the Heat have a huge edge is their coaching, and Eric Spolstra made the adjustments. Made the adjustments. Missoula didn't. And, of course, having Jimmy Butler, who is going to give you 110% every single night, and all these role players are going to give you 110% every night. If some, if, if it's not going Jason Tatum's way, he's going to give you five points through three quarters. So it's just like... Oh, man, it is very difficult, very difficult to not comprehend because I understand what's going on, but it's very difficult to to accept it, I guess, because on paper, the Celtics are way better. They are. But when you're looking at the statistics and what we watched on our TVs, on our phones, wherever the hell you're watching the game, it's just they had this game. They had it. Even after giving up 46 points in the third quarter, you still outscored them in the fourth quarter. Again, you missed seven free throws. Make your free throws. The game's closer. Don't turn the ball over at the end. And don't give up as many three-pointers. Contest them. Let Jimmy Butler do his little fadeaway spin jump shots, you know, 14 to 18 feet from the basket instead of letting him pass out to a wide-open man or half-guarded man, and they're going to shoot the three. Like, let Jimmy, I'd rather see Jimmy Butler drop 57 points and lose than Gabe Vincent get 15, Struz 15, Martin 15, Lowry 15. It's it's just, oh my God, it's, so, it's frustrating. It is frustrating. Celtics need more from Tatum. No field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Tatum and Brown should be on the court in the fourth quarter from 10 minutes through the rest of the game. There can't be a debate about that. There just can't be a debate about that. There's no way or no reason why your two star players, with the exception of maybe foul trouble, maybe one of them has four or five fouls, neither of them should be on the bench after the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. That's it. You need more from your guys tonight. You're at, you're at home. You're going to have the crowd. you got to get them into it. And when you're up on the heat, if you're up on the heat, you have to keep the pedal down. You were up by nine at halftime. I think you were up by double digits at one point. They shaved the lead a little bit. But then, boom, it went away. And they went on a 46-25 to 25 run in the third quarter. How do you lose a quarter by 21 points? A home playoff game. It, it's not, not, not a very fun uh, thing to look at. Just Let's just call it that. Not very fun to look at. I mean, uh, Joe Mazzulla's got to be be ready. He has to be ready for this. And I want to believe that he is. Again, I've had my doubts about him. I've said that the Celtics need Udoka. I've said that Mazzulla's over his head. You know, I don't like how he doesn't call timeouts. Da, 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 da. I've said it all. I've said it all. But he's our coach. He's a local guy. 
Grew up a Celtics fan. He's our coach. And I'm going to back up our coach. But you need to come prepared. You have to be prepared. Call your effing timeouts. I'm not going to say your timeouts is going to stop the 21-point deficit uh, from a third-quarter perspective. And then you're going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I didn't want to do the math. But whatever. You give up 46 points. I'm not going to say calling a timeout or two is going to stop the Heat from scoring 46 points in the third quarter. But it might. It could help. It could slow things down. It could cut the momentum. So maybe it could shift it back in your direction. That's just the fun thing about basketball. You got like, what, seven timeouts to use? Use them. Use them or lose them. You can't take them with you to the next game. You just can't. So there's my rant about the Celtics. What I'm looking for in game... I mean, I'm not even going to go over that because I feel like I just gave it all to you. What I'm looking for in game two. But uh, Celtics need to win. They need to win this game. Yeah, Yeah, I... I want to feel comfortable and confident going down to Miami, but you have to win one one of them down there anyways at this point. Let's just go down there, 1-1, one, one, split it. Let's make it a best-of-five series, kind of reset, regroup. Obviously, the Heat are going to make changes going into Game 3. We'll worry about that when we get there. But, man, the Celtics. By the time Next time we talk uh, for an episode, it's going to be, wow, G- Game 5 will be completed. So we're they're going to be playing four games from today to the next time we chat for episode number 193 that's kind of bonkers if you ask me that's kind of bonkers game two is tonight game three is sunday game four is tuesday game five is thursday wow i mean listen the series one way or the other not gonna not gonna name them one way or the other could be over by Thursday. By the next time we talk for episode 193 on Friday next week, we could be talking about the finals. Maybe we're talking about how we fell short and how we just absolutely collapsed. Who knows? Who knows? But, oh, okay. So let, let me talk about the Red Sox. So I sat here last week and I said that, oh, yeah, I kind of believe in this team. This team's proven me wrong. They might be able to do it. They're not all too, too bad. And you know what? We sit here one week later and they're back in last place. They're four and six in their last 10. Yeah, they're over 500, which is dandy. They're seven and a half games out of first place and they're 24 and 20. They, what they split? They split with the Braves. No, okay, yeah, I was talking about the Cardinals. We talked about the Cardinals. They got swept by the Cardinals and they took two of three from the Mariners, which is great. Now you go out to San Diego to play the Padres. I, I just. This team is just so frustrating. My God. <laughs> this team, the Red Sox team might be more frustrating than the Celtics. I'm not going to lie. Uh, let's see. You lose 8-6. Again, pitching collapsed. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Pitching really collapsed. Uh, hold on. Oh, my God. It's going to do this. Hold on. I'm. Here we go. Uh, they lo- lose 4-3. Then you lose 9-1. You lose 10-1. You win 9-4. You win 12-3. This just further enhances my take about the Celtics. Uh, wow. Take about the Red Sox. Excuse me. You can't rely on your lineup to score more than four runs every single night. Because even when they do, they may still lose. Hence, they lost 8-6 to six to the Cardinals on the 12th. Uh, let's see. Uh, is there another one recently? Uh, okay, too far back. Again, you can't four more runs is kind of the bar. If the Red Sox can score more than four runs, their chances of winning are very high. However, 
if they don't actually yeah if they don't score more than four runs their chances of losing is pretty much guaranteed I mean you know there's been a couple of games where they've been able to win uh what they win a game against uh who they win against oh the angels two to one they won a game two to one against the angels fantastic but my goodness gracious you can't rely on your lineup to score more than four four runs a game. There's going to be nights where the offense gets cold. The other team's pitching is hot. That's going to happen. Red Sox lost uh, four to three to the Cardinals on the thirteenth. Nine to one, ten to one, to the Mariners on on Monday. Again, where was your hitting for those three games? It took four runs. You should be able to score four runs against the Cardinals, right? You scored three. You couldn't push one more across. Well, you just fell a little short. What happens? And then you go out and your pitching is abysmal and you lose 9-1 to and 10-1 to in back-to-back nights? Where was the hitting then? Why couldn't it have been a closer game? Where was the pitching? It, it's, it's, it's almost like clockwork for this team. Past couple of seasons. Almost like clockwork. And I'm just trying to really scroll through the season and I'm trying to find um, a game where... Outside of that Angels 2-1 to win where they won scoring less than four runs. And I don't know if I can find it. I really don't think I can find one. Uh, I'm just still... still Okay, so there's that 2-1 to one win. Um, I mean, there's a handful of games where they lose scoring more than four runs. I mean, that happens. Uh, like... There is not, besides that one two to one win against the Angels last month, the Red Sox have not won a game where they score less than four runs. I don't know what I need to tell you or show you or say to you. The Red Sox can't win unless they score more than four runs because you can't rely on the pitching. You clearly can't. You gave up 10 runs against the Mariners, 9 runs against the Cardinals, 8 runs against the Cardinals, 9 runs against the Braves, 6 runs against the Phillies. Uh, let's see, uh, 5 runs, even though you won, 5 runs against the Blue Jays, 6 runs against the Blue Jays in a win. Uh, it's just like, like these are all games that you, can, you can't expect your pitching to bail you out in. It's frustrating, aggravating. And like, listen, they're not going to go on the trade deadline and, and bring in this monster ace, right? You know, they're not going to go get a Jack Flaherty. They're not going to go get a Jacob DeGrom. They're not going to go get Clayton Kershaw out on the trade market anytime soon. Would that help? Yeah, of course. But it's still not going to fix the – they'll fix the issue for one day maybe. You know, one day out of five, you know, from the rotation. Chris Sale's been pitching better. But it's still not going to fix the overarching issue. Red Sox can't win close, uh, close ball games. They can't. And you know what happens when the season gets shorter because you're in August and September, maybe even October if you get there? Pitching matters. Your bullpen can win you games, can steal a game. Red Sox, as a whole pitching staff, don't have that. And Nick Pavetta just got bumped to the bullpen too as a, what was it, a multi-inning reliever? <sighs> Like, I, I, I want to believe in this team. I do. And I still think that they can make some noise. I mean, they're still, I mean, outside of the AL West, I mean, they would be the number one team in the Central. They would be the number three team in the West. I mean, this team, like, still has a lot of potential. But 
at the beginning of the season, going into the season, it was still going to be tough just based on division alone. Like, there's going to be someone coming out of the Central. There's going to be someone coming out of the West. Right now, it looks like it might be the Rangers, the Astros. Who knows? Obviously, the Angels and Mariners are still in that in that fight. And your record is better than all of them, except the Astros. But, like, the Orioles, you know, the Rays might win the division. All right, well, the Orioles have a much better record than you. Yankees just took three or four from the Blue Jays, which prompted them. And now both of them and the Blue Jays have a better record than you. It's just your four and six in your last ten. It doesn't make me feel cozy. It doesn't. And you have tough opponents coming up. Um, you have the Padres for three. You got the Angels for three. You go to Arizona for three, which Arizona, I mean, I know they kind of lost the division lead because the Dodgers are starting to play out of their mind now with a seven and three in their last ten and fifteen and three in their last eighteen, whatever, whatever that number is. Crazy numbers. But the Diamondbacks have been playing pretty good this year. You got the Cincinnati Reds, who, you know, they are who they are. But then you got the Rays, Guardians, Yankees. And I mean, that's just in the middle of June. You got the the Rockies at home, which not a big deal. But then you get the Yankees again. So it's Red Sox have a lot of work to do. And I'm not saying that they need to go out and win 10 straight games. I'm not. Seven of three would be nice. Eight and two. Uh, let's see if they can go 15 in their la- in 15 wins in 20 games. That'd be nice. Like I've always said, 40 to 60 games into the season will give you a good idea where teams are. You know, again, a team under that mark could start off wildly hot, like the Diamondbacks. Then nah, maybe they're cool. I mean, the Pirates. Pirates are a better example. You know, they're starting to cool off. They're three and seven in their last ten. The Brewers had a slow start. They're six and four in their last ten. They flip-flopped in their division. I mean, Diamondbacks started off crazy hot. They're still playing really good baseball. Dodgers had a slow start, and now they're going crazy. I mean, the Cardinals, a horrendous start. A horrendous start. What were they, 11-24? and 24? They've won eight of, their last ten, uh, eight of their last 10 games. Yeah, the record still sucks. It's 19-26. and 26, But they're on a good streak right now. They're eight of their last 10. They've won eight of the last 10 games. They're turning a switch. Like that's what the Red Sox need to do. Is they need to turn the switch and go on a good run. We're we're in that forty to sixty game window. We're at forty four games right now for the Red Sox. Some other teams have a few more. Some have a few less. Whatever. But the Red Sox are forty four games into the season. Are we going to look at them at the end of the day when it's all done as a 83-84 win team? I'd say that's kind of what their pace is right now. And that is not going to be good enough to get you into the playoffs. Are we going to look at this Red Sox team and be like, only if they were able to do this or do that, they would have got into that last wild card spot because you finish a game out. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, how much you know the the lack of moves from Heim Bloom put you in this position. Yeah, I'm not going to say, well, which are true, by the way. And maybe we'll see what they can do at the deadline or approaching the deadline in terms of trades, who they may or may not bring in. But I had a lot of good confidence and faith in this team, not going to lie, at the end of last episode. I've kind of, uh, my confidence in them has taken a little step back, just for the record. Little, little step back. And I think deservingly so. 
until they can fi- figure out their pitching, until they can find some consistency in their lineup. Like, yeah, it was cool to see them score 12 and 9 runs against the Mariners in two games, but you scored one run against them as well, one run against the Cardinals, and three runs against the Cardinals. Oh, by the way, you lose. You, you score six runs against the Cardinals in that first game, and you still lose. Granted, it was a bullpen issue, but still, your bullpen can't save you. Your bullpen can't bail you out. They can't steal you a game. So there, there's, I mean, could you say that pitching is a major issue? Sure. But I feel like if you just kind of peel that layer off and look at some of the small, I think Red Sox have more smaller issues than a big issue. They need another starter. They could use a couple more bullpen pieces and some more consistency in the lineup. And I think those can be, I mean, I, I again, pitching overall is a major issue, but if you peel it back, there's smaller issues within that pitching that I think they need to address. And I'm hoping, and I'm hoping the Red Sox can do that between now and the deadline if they are serious about this season. Because they kind of have to be. They need to be uh, productive. They need to be on the topic of discussions over the course of the summer once the Celtics are done, before the Patriots start. Because they can't lose the fan base. They've lost the fan base so many times. Trading Mookie Betts, trading Ben Benintendi, not re-signing Bogarts. Obviously, the COVID season when they sucked. Like, you need you need to give us a reason why we should tune into your games. You need to give us a reason why we should go to Fenway Park and watch these games. Who am I watching? Am I, am I really going to go to the game and get all excited for watching Rob Refschneider out in uh, center field? I mean, I know Pablo Reyes, you know, just got here and he's been fairly productive, but am I really going to go get excited to watch Pablo Reyes play shortstop for the Red Sox? Or watch... Watch Nick Pavetta get lit up in two and a, two and a third. So it's just little things like that that really give me pause about this Red Sox team. And listen, we have a long season to go. We're 44 games in. Got some good challenges ahead of us on this nice, what, nine-game West Coast road trip. Let's see what they can do. I think we'll have a, a, a good idea once their Padres series and their Angels series are complete, those six games. And when we sit here next week on the, uh, let's see, what is it going to be? The 26th, we'll have have a better idea. Are they going to lose all six? Are they going to split? Are they going to win? You know, we'll we'll have a good idea, and we can just kind of go from there with it. But that is going to wrap up today's episode for episode number 192 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Uh, It was a really good discussion talking about sports card hobby, talking about the Celtics, of course, and then lastly, the Red Sox. But I really, really do appreciate you guys joining me for today's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for downloading and listening and enjoying Merv's Boston Sports Talk on all audio platforms such as Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Radio Public, anywhere. You can find your podcasts. You can find Merv's Boston Sports Talk. So thank you so much again for downloading, listening, and enjoying it. If you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button. Comment your thoughts down below in the comment section as I'd love to read and reply to those. And of course, if you're new to the channel or haven't considered it before, I would really appreciate if you hit that giant red subscribe button for more awesome content on this channel. And then lastly, if you want to reach out to me via social media, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Murph's Cartown. 
on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook. But like I said, that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. Go Celtics. I will always, always see you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.